0: you're listening to young grognard a dungeons and dragons podcast a haven for all things dirty and dungeness enjoy hey everybody out there welcome to the podcast i want to give a nice big tavern hello to all you husky buskers all you rogues in vogue all you flighty fighters and delightful blighters my name is the young grognard i am grognard the young coming at you with a new episode of the podcast it's been a long time since i've been back uh been really caught up with a bunch of stuff the usual stuff, but most of it's just working on my thesis and dealing with the typical social occasions you deal with in the holiday season. Um, But I'm back with another episode. I got a pretty cool topic today. Uh, One for all you nerdy dungeon masters out there or people who just enjoy the game. Um, But yeah, so anyway, without further ado, uh, in this topic, I'm going to be talking about villages which I know everybody thinks the village is the most exciting thing clearly a bunch of farming bumpkins uh definitely the height of fantasy gaming I gotta say you know asking the question what's in season the pumpkins or the uh, apples you know gotta ask the question definitely the most exciting part of the setting of the game anyway this is a part of the game that I think deserves a lot of of attention but also once you've got a good handle over how to do this sort of thing you don't need to put as much effort into it each time around and my history of building villages and towns and cities and all the things in between uh starts with 3.5 which i know i talk about 3.5 and og gaming quite a bit but 3.5 in the Dungeon Master's Guide had a pretty ornate and very descriptive section on how to set up different levels of society and all the different government types. And 5th edition has done a pretty good job of including that as well. Whereas earlier editions, to be honest, I don't think actually gave too much attention, though they did end up putting out splat books for it. But in any case, when you make a village or you make a town or you make a city, I think the most important thing to think about is its economic uh, situation. Because politically speaking, it seems like usually villages and towns come together around a city. So you think about it, then what is it that separates villagers from townies from city goers? I guess. I don't want to say city slickers because that's... Anyway, um, so what is it economically that separates them? And I think that if you look at it as a matter of production... Uh, of goods and marketing and selling things, it feels like the village is sort of the bottom rung. It's the one that requires the least bit of skill, the least bit of training, um, and it's the position that requires, I guess, the least attention too. Um, It's the least specialized. And so by that I mean that this is where you have your woodcutters, this is where you have your farmers, you have your fishermen, it's all the raw material gathering folks. This is in comparison to a town, which is sort of where they, I would say, refine some of these raw materials. This is where, you know, you start getting wool. This is where you get things like crafted wood, sort of a a, um, lumber, um, like worked planks and whatnot. Whereas a city is sort of where everything becomes its final stage, the most specialized. This is where we get things like, I don't know, people who make clocks or people who make... Um, candies or cakes this is sort of the place where you have the most ornate and specialized gear this is where you get things like goldsmiths you know um, whereas in a village you have something more like a blacksmith something very practical tools that are necessary for the daily living so now the question is what is the point of all this blabbing about crafting an economy well it sort of frames how players can I don't know. interact with a village you know I think too often what happens is when we're playing games we sort of just assume that villages and whatever sort of place we end up will have all the amenities we might need but when you think about it a village might not have the capacity to take care of strangers and travelers you know I think we kind of take for granted the idea that every village has an inn, but what if a village doesn't have an inn? What if they're so off the beaten path that it's it's a hamlet or a thorp, and it's really only five big families that live out here? There's like 60 people in total. I find it hard to believe that they're going to have an inn. I mean, they might have a tavern, they might have a small general goods sort of store, but for the most part, I don't picture this place having like a, a full-time blacksmith. I don't picture this place having, you know, any sort of... Uh, I don't know a specialized craftsman it feels like this is the kind of place where all they do is gather raw materials and then at some point in time a person comes through with a cart full of goods and they trade or the people of town send somebody to go trade with other people now this can be really cool because you think about it a small location like this with such a lack of means of protecting themselves or gathering their own stuff could fall to the hands of i don't know a selfish merchant who's looking to make a buck by extorting the people of this town, or you can deal with things like I don't know monstrous means. Throw out your typical uh, uh, orcs or goblins and have them intervening on the people trying to travel out of this village. Another important thing to bring up is the idea of, you know, the law enforcement in a village or guards or or who protects the people. Uh, in older books and you know, now it's become kind of commonplace. They explain the idea that there's trained civilians or citizen uh, uh, militia where they're sort of just townies with weapons and the idea that if orcs were to lead a raid on a small village, it wouldn't be people coming out in full armor and regalia and with, you know, proper training with fancy weapons. It would be You know, heirloom swords that so-and-so's grandpa passed down and, you know, an old dented helmet from a battle that took place a dozen years ago. And these people would be fighting, but not in any major trained way, you know? And again, what's cool about this is it makes you think about something like uh, one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie, but uh, The Seven Samurai. You know, it makes you think that the premise of the movie being that a small town or village is under attack by a group of barbarians who pretty much seize control, and the people of this village wish to seek protection. But the problem is is they don't have enough money nor honor amongst their people to be able to request the assistance of somebody so brave as a samurai. And so, you know, what ends up happening in the movie is they meet a samurai who's sort of like a ronin in the in the sense that he is willing to help without getting paid. He's willing to almost sacrifice his status as a samurai to go help these people when nobody else would. And they assemble a ragtag team of samurai who are willing to put aside... You know what is societally acceptable for a samurai to do in order to go help a village that truly needs it and you know i think that's what happens a lot of times in DD games is you know a group of villagers who don't have much money to spare beg for help and while super important adventurers or big name adventurers are out fighting greater evils it's ragtag adventurers who come to the village and go to save people you know It almost feels like there's a natural progression for players to start in such a small scope and go from a village quest to a town quest and then end up in the city. And to be honest, I'm kind of okay with how that progresses, you know? It almost makes sense to me that the people who would need help the most would be willing to accept the help of anybody. You know, and much in the same regard, I don't imagine world-ending terrors coming and assaulting a village, because like, what's in that village? You know, what what is there really to be to be gotten? But it does make me think also of the idea that a small village is the perfect place for something important to be hidden, because it's such you know a, a meaningless or I don't know, valueless place. it almost seems the perfect spot for something important to be hidden. I know you can think of like a dozen different fantasy stories or movies or, or what have you where some important character happens to be some dumb villager with a stupid bowl cut and I don't know. The idea that greatness is hidden within the village and some sage or wizard is out there and teaches that person how to achieve their true greatness, blah, blah, blah. We've all seen these movies. But I do think there's something nice about that trope. I think that there's something kind of exciting about it. And I think it's a good way of getting players kickstarted into a campaign. Because if it turns out that, I don't know, the village sage is protecting some artifact, but nobody knows about it, And maybe the characters in a party are all trained by this sage at some point in time. I I mean, you can already tell where this story's going. You know, some evil shows up to get the artifact back. The sage is the only one who knows what's going on. Only one who knows this evil tries to protect themselves. Everything goes terribly wrong. The party needs to go find this artifact. It's the story as old as time. But it's still a good story. Like, it's still a fun story. You know, and I think that there's something nice about a trope like that that people can kind of latch onto, and they they like it. It's predictable, but in a way that they feel like there's still the potential for twists around every around every turn. You know, maybe we turn the tables. What if some great evil is hidden away in the village instead of a sage protecting it? It's actually some evil beast that's protecting their precious. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if if I don't know. Some miserly old man who lives in a village, lives in some old haunted house, or some fort up on the hill, and the village down below is, I don't know, learned to basically, kind of like in Dracula, where, you know, the villagers turn away, and nobody wants to deal with it, and they all, I don't know, have superstitious beliefs about what goes on up there. You know, that's another example of what happens in the village, you know? There's no great explorers, there's just townies with superstitions, you know what I mean? Um... Before we move on to the next point, uh, we have a word from our sponsor. Ho, 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 all you party people. Who's ready to get swole for the holidays? New from Judd Beer comes the Protein Judd. Protein Judd incorporates 12 entire eggs into one 12-ounce can. It's disgusting, but it'll get you the muscles you need to get them ho, ho, ho... Ladies, be prepared to fend off waves of hot babes with new Judd protein drink. Judd, just drink it. And we're back. All right, well, that was a wonderful ad from our friends over at Judd Beer, a wonderfully fictitious company that, yeah, I mean, it's Judd Beer. That's what it is. But anywho, back to the village. So... When we're talking about villages, I think another thing that deserves to be mentioned is, and something that I think comes up a lot in in old school gaming where, you know, healing is a little harder to come by and damage done to a character is a bit more deadly, you know, something like 5th edition, there's really no major need to go find a healer after an adventure because, I mean, apparently you go to bed, you get all your hit points back and, you know, but when you think of older editions and you think about how hard it was to come by health, the idea of having a village priest was something that was, I don't know, I I think pretty interesting because you think about what was possible for that priest. Perhaps they didn't even have spells like a cast. Maybe they didn't have any levels of adept or, or a cleric or what have you, but maybe this was just a particularly religious person, you know? But it just makes you think about the idea of how dangerous it would be to get into combat out here in the outskirts, out where there isn't much civilization to cling to. You know, it makes you think about the dangers that would come along with it, and it makes you think of potential adventure hooks. What if the local sheriff got attacked? and he's barely clinging onto life. He's bleeding out and it's up to the adventurers to try to hurry him on horseback or what have you to the nearest town to get some sort of aid, to get some sort of uh some sort of healing. And when you think about it, uh what if that wound was uh given to him by I don't know, a werewolf, or a ghoul, or a zombie, or something even more treacherous or evil. The idea that when the party is on the road with this corpse, what if it comes to life, you know? What if it comes back and it's a shadow, or it's a zombie, or a ghoul, or a white or something, you know? And then the party's stuck on the road with this. But it also lets them think that there's something dangerous out there in the wilderness. It definitely makes for an interesting introduction to a game. You know, you could picture the party showing up in town. And when they're at the inn, in that wonderful, cliche beginning, somebody rushes in and screams that the sheriff needs help. And they need somebody to take them to the nearest town. And the party immediately leaps up to help. That's a really cool introduction to a game. Because it makes them seem like heroes without having to say that there's... so problem in town and instead it's I don't know this one particular instance which is actually sign of something worse you know what if the sheriff found some crypt what if the sheriff I don't know was a cultist and something went wrong you know there's so many things that you can tag into that and again because it's in a village and this is another important part It's hard to imagine many people would be sniffing around looking to to help out or to solve these crimes. You know, if it's just a bunch of townies who are just farmers and simple people who don't, you know, like digging around in adventure, I mean, there's so much room for people to do bad stuff and never get caught. It almost makes me think of like moonshiners. And it's like, if you're hanging out in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, I mean, who's gonna come and see? Who's gonna come and find these things? So in the same regard, if there's a whole village of cultists which has been done a few times before but what if there's a whole village of cultists this makes me think of the uh cult of the uh, reptile god there um but that's a really good example because you know it's such a remote location that the only way for people to be able to take care of this situation with the cult is to go i don't know in like small groups it's not something that's well known about it's a it's a village it's not some big huge population of people it sneaks away it's hidden away people can't really tell that this is going on and again when the party shows up they're the only ones to be able to to take care of this because there's no militia there's no king to enlist the help of heroes it's just a village and a bunch of honest villagers who genuinely need their help um But lastly, I'll say, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the idea that a village is sort of the starting point for any civilization, you know? And so by that I mean that if a party helps out a village, there's a lot of room for the players to be able to become sort of important to that village. If you, for instance, were to, I don't know, find out that the local mayor or the local Uh, uh, council are a bunch of evildoers and now the village once these uh, bad guys have been taken care of is leaderless there's a lot of room for the party to maybe take up a position of power or to help elect that position of power in that power vacuum so if they know that the uh, local innkeeper is a a great um, part of the town or, or village rather and the, the the innkeeper is sort of a local authority, everybody respects him, perhaps the party puts it upon themselves to kind of, I don't know, push for that guy to be in power and sort of like try to help instantiate that shift in politics. Because the politics around here are sort of simplified, it seems like there's a lot more room for the party to act as, as a hand in all of this, you know? Um, and in another respect, the party themselves might... I don't know, help stimulate the economy enough or help push politically for this village to grow in size. You know, when you're dealing with a campaign that has longevity and and years of in-game time, you could imagine saving a village from some sort of situation, and maybe you instantiate the, uh, the rulership of that innkeeper, like I'd mentioned, and under the rulership of this innkeeper, the town prospers. I mean, the village prospers, rather. And maybe over time, over years of adventuring, the party comes home to this village someday, and they see that the village has grown. It's becoming a town. Maybe over over a certain season, tons of new people move into the village because they see how great it is, or maybe the party, I don't know, deals with some issue in a in a haunted wood or some issue in a mine, and once the issue is taken care of, All of a sudden now, there's so much work to be done that tons more villagers can move into this place. And thus, the economy grows, and, you know, the place grows, population grows, and it becomes a point of interest. And it's cool to think that you can give the players that sense of satisfaction that they helped do this, and they were the ones who sort of pushed for this to happen, you know? And it definitely lends itself to letting players feel important, feel like their actions have repercussions, and, I don't know, You tell me right now that you think that that group of players wouldn't be so pumped to think that they kind of helped with such progress. Even though it's a, you know, a village in a board game that doesn't really exist, it'll feel real to the players, and they'll develop a sense of, I don't know, sort of a sense of real completion or real growth. You know, they'll feel important in that sense, and they'll grow to truly admire that location. Even if it is just a village, it's their village. But on that note... I'm going to sign off. So, uh, with that, I'm going to say everybody should go check out uh, two podcasts. Go check out the old uh, uh, Radio Grognard. Um, it's pretty much one of the inspirations for why I even picked up doing these podcasts in the first place. And go check out Mark C. Walring's the Yawning Owl Bear podcast. Um, you know, honestly, I have some differing opinions with him on his podcast, but he's got a lot of good stuff to say. He's got a lot of important stuff to say. And so, go check it out. Uh, But on that note, uh, players, uh, you should go appreciate your DMs, and DMs appreciate your players. And with that, bye-bye now. The music provided for the commercial in the middle there was the song Big Rock by Kevin MacLeod.